I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Why, why don't you say espresso in Italian? Because you just say un caffè. So that's what because a coffee a, is a, there. A coffee is there. Yeah, okay, exactly. right. Yeah. Do you know what I say? Espresso. <laughs> <laughs> you know people say like and what do you ask for a uh, bruschetta uh, rather than bruschetta yeah. can I have a panini please yeah oh, yeah. Can, yeah. have one panini please one panini just yeah. one and panini. two cappuccinos <laughs> <laughs> how to why James Horncast love in 10 yeah. easy steps do you know um, the background between well what, why a cappuccino is called a cappuccino no please tell us okay so um, it is a, a shot of coffee with um, a load of foam milk on the top froth milk which is like a hood and that comes from the the hood that the capuchin monks used to wear yeah wow interesting that's, that's really yeah, interesting that's where you get cappuccino because it's essentially capuchin uh, the capuchin monks James what did you make of um, Ajax's performance in the Champions League qualifying round Ajax is still Ajax if you watch how they play that philosophy comes through. But what's fascinating really is a lot of the players that who are still there are playing in different positions. Um, you think of Daly Blind, for example, hmm. back at centre-back last year. Yeah. Now he's in midfield. Yeah. You think of Masraoui, who was a, a full-back for them last year. He's partnering him in midfield. What's the thinking behind that, do you think? Well, I think uh, this just goes to the schooling that there is at Ajax. Yeah. In that it's, well, they're just showing off. <laughs> yeah, no, kind of. It's, it's yeah. not about systems. It's about the principles that you are taught, that you are coached, um, and that you know you can give these players jobs, um, not positions, essentially, mm. and they will fulfil those uh, those tasks. And I think Blind and Masraoui. I think it's quite interesting watching Masraoui, particularly for the. I think it was the first goal that Ajax conceded. They drew two two um, away at Pauk, um, and you saw Masraoui was way out of position and maybe caught in a no man's land between us like am I a fullback here or am I a midfield player mm. and for a moment he'd slipped into the fullback kind of right. mentality and all of a sudden Pauk uh, were able to carve through Ajax really easily um, but yeah I mean new centre-backs um, a new midfield configuration because it's not only Frankie de Jong that's gone but uh, Lasse Schoner I don't know if you saw Lasse Schoner's arrival in Genoa I haven't seen this no. <laughs> tell us about it. it it was like someone signing for Galatasaray it, it was like it was like when Darius Vassell ended up in Ankara yeah I remember that that yeah. was funny yeah. or it was like Genoa had signed Lionel Messi uh, instead of Lasse Schoner well, turned out yeah. in their thousands I mean yeah and he had the, they'd already got his own his own chant going um, so, so yeah, exactly. I mean, completely new midfield, just yeah, players, old players at Ajax, but playing in new positions, if you like. Um, and then, uh, particularly in the Pauk game, less so in the Eredivisie, 
Um, you had Casper Dolberg. Remember when there was so much hype around Dolberg? Mm. Yeah, Dolberg was 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 playing up front until he came off after half an hour, and Huntelaar came on. Didn't he have a particularly quiet international tournament? And because he was really hyped going into a tournament for Denmark, I forget which one it was, and then he had a quite a quiet one. And yeah, it, suddenly, it kind of just disappeared after that. But yeah, he was kind of a peripheral figure last season as as well, wasn't mm. he? Really. But, he got subbed after half an hour. Yeah, but you look at the, um, the hunter. attacking players that they, they still have. Um, Dusan Tadic, who was playing as a kind of false nine last year and obviously mm. did <laughs> had a career year. Mm. Um, yeah. He was playing out on uh, on the wing. Ziyech is still there. Uh, Van der Beek at the moment is still there, even though there's, there's interest from I'm surprised Real. Ziyech hasn't been, hasn't been heavy. I mean, obviously, time of recording this show because of the way the transfer window falls on this particular week, the first week of the season. I mean, this is we're recording this on a Thursday morning, we should point out. The time of um, of recording, I've not seen any links for Zayek at all. Which is... He's, he's been linked to a few clubs, but I think the, the but difficulty... Seriously? I mean, like, not really. No. I think the difficulty is, because of the season that Ajax had, they're asking, and they're quite right to ask, for twice the money that they would have sold him for last year. Mm. And that's an issue. Also, I think there's a limited amount of of landing spots, almost, I think the stock of some of these players has risen a, a little bit too high. I think in a different summer, Van der Beek would have been gone like a couple of months ago. Right. But but now like you're looking at him rather than, you know, ending up at a, you know, upper mid table German club or, you know, taking a similar route to David Klaassen or whatever. Now he's you know, maybe Real Madrid's option if they don't get Paul Pogba or something like that. I, Christian I Eriksen still frantically waving outside the window. <laughs> yeah. Go, what you're gonna go up? You're gonna go after? That's mental. <laughs> I played at Ajax ages ago. I'm oh, much better than I, him. I'm blonder than him. <laughs> yeah, I'm on rubbish wages as well. <laughs> I, I, I think it's it's an interesting point for Ajax because you talked about the closure of the the, the English transfer window. Well, of course, for most other leagues. It doesn't close no. for a couple of weeks yet. So looking at Ajax now, I guess this will be the same with a couple of the teams we talk about through the the, the course of the the, 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 the coming minutes. It, 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 this is not the finished team that is going to be there at the start of September. And I think Ajax are in a, a funny position because, you know, they've been compared and especially their run to the semifinals of the uh, Champions League was compared to uh, Monaco, Monaco yeah. in, in 2017. Now... You know, Monaco's plan at the start of that summer was to sell two players, Bernardo Silva and Bakayoko. And then you get the, the, the offer for Benjamin Mendy, which is like, oh my God, is that sort of money really out there? And all of a sudden, having said to the dressing room, right, we're only going to sell a couple of players. You, you sell another guy and all of a sudden they're like, well, hang about, he can go, but I can't. Mm. And it's very, very hard to keep the lid on it after that. Mm. I just wonder where that tipping point is right. I don't think they've ever said we're only going to sell two players, but they, they've been in a position, especially with the big sales of Frankie de Jong and Matthias de Ligt, who it was a little bit protracted, but they always knew he was going. They, they bought themselves the space, the financial space, A, to, I think, go on and dominate the Eredivisie for many years if if they play it right. And to get back in the Champions League consistently and crush the opposition domestically in a way like, say, Bayern have done. Um, but also to not let too many other players go. But where does it stop? I don't think we really know yet. And I think Lasse Schoener going, as James says, that's something that is a bit out of left field. That's some, something that no one expected. But if one of your most experienced players said, you know what, maybe I fancy a change. I think that has 
potentially quite a profound effect on the dressing Don't room. Don't know. Any love for Miroslav Stock coming off the bench for Pauk? Always. 29-year-old <laughs> ex-Man City Miroslav Stock. Yeah, his stock's fallen quite I think a lot since then. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. But, but to go yeah. back on... It's not a very tasty stock anymore. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> bit <nice>. stodgy. <laughs> the money that Ajax have brought in for De Ligt and Frankie de Jong um, and as a whole in the transfer market this uh, summer, 181 million euro, mm. which um, yeah, they've reinvested around 60. And as Andy was saying, you know, we've seen that um, how over Mars and Van der Sar their strategy is to yes, promote young players, give them opportunities, you know, sign the captain of the under 19s, um, who's who's playing with guys who are older than him, but also to bring in someone like Quincy Promise for. Mm. For what, 15, 16 million? Yeah, he didn't get on against Park, did he? But is, is, there any, is there any concern about the result they've had away in that first leg? I mean, we'll find out later, but next week. But. Well, remember last season, they were quite a slow burn, um, Ajax, at least in the Eredivisie. Right. Um, you know, throughout the Champions League group stages, um, you know, we were talking about PSV and what Mark Van Bommel was doing there and how it looked like they were going to win the league. Um, so, again, they didn't win their first game in the Eredivisie. Um, uh, of the season their curtain raiser mm. I think it's going to take time look when when any team goes through um, the number of changes that they have um, t- I mean you look at their defence the centre back pairing that they've got Lisandro Martinez who's from who's signed from that wonderful team called uh, I think it's Defensa y Justicia <laughs> or Defence and Justice <laughs> yeah. yeah I remember the South Which American is, you know, yeah. for a Channel 5 sounds like it yeah. sounds like a crime drama is, is the manager Ross Kemp <laughs> <laughs> Ross Kemp is the manager, yeah. <laughs> and um and the guy next to him, is it Per Shoes? Um again, nineteen. So extremely yeah. young yeah. pair of centre backs. That that's really very much the story of Ajax throughout their history though, right? Mm. I think it? I think uh the repositioning of uh Daily Blint's quite interesting. There was a great um interview with um Louis Van Hal in France football last week where he was Slightly less complimentary about the work of Eric Ten Hag uh, as well, exact, exactly as complimentary about the work as Eric Ten Hag as you would imagine, I suppose. You know, okay, he's not as good as me, <laughs> sort, of, sort of thing. But, um, you know, that they they asked him, you know, are there only a few little things that that needed tweaking uh, to, to, to get them into the Champions League finally? He said, Well, no, you can't say that because they missed it. That, that, that's the bottom line, they, yeah. they, they they missed it. And, you know, he was quite critical of the the way that they. Defended, for example, as, yeah. as, especially and you, you know you can understand that with the way the the, the fourth half half against Tottenham went, mm. but um, it was interesting. He was saying how Daily Blint in that interview was like he would be one of the best players in the world if he wasn't slow, and I think that's something that you talked about slow burning, James. Mm. I think it got right to the end of the season before anyone outside the Netherlands said. Daly Blind's having an absolutely incredible season. He was vital for what they're doing. And to me, it feels very Ajax, Barcelona, total football lineage, that they would try and ride out this period, at least for the moment, by by sticking him in p- midfield. Another team in the, in the Champions League qualifying that caught the eye, obviously Porto, being involved at this early stage. They beat Krasnodar in the first leg. Yeah, <clears> and they deserve away. to as well. Sergio Oliveira scored, who weirdly was on loan at Pauk last season. Yeah, um, that's, that's right. I mean, this is a theme of... What, what, do, you make of, what do you make of that, Andy? I presumably you watched that game. I, I, I did. I mean, it's, it's kind of a theme of Portuguese football, and we've talked about it before, that sort of uh, recycling of things that you, you, you don't think are of any use 
anymore. And Sergio Oliveira, I think he, he went off to, to Pauk and in the end they couldn't afford the, the, the release clause to keep him permanently. He, he, he went there and he was, he was a double winner that they would love to keep him. And there have been a few departures at Porto this season. There's still the sense that maybe they're a, they're a midfielder short, although Uribe, Uribe has just signed this summer, uh, this last week, the Colombian. Um, and, you know, there's there's a sense that Sergio Oliveira, who's a very good player, is only there um, because they haven't got anyone else at the moment. But he played really tremendously well. I mean, he was really important in the first part of Sergio Conceição's Porto. I mean, Conceição is sometimes criticised by some fans of the club for picking like like physical specimens above like technically excellent players. And I, I guess Sergio Oliveira is one of those ones that um, they think of. I mean, you know, technically he's no slouch, but he's about the power. And that's something that he really brought to Sergio Conceição's original um, uh, Porto team when he, when he took over. He, he had a great game and um, he scored free kick right at the end which was very very useful indeed he's hoping to carve himself a, a future at the club despite the arrival of Uribe and th- there might be more uh, players on the way but given that yeah again they're a work in progress I just find this one of the most fascinating stages of the European season really because this is a point which can absolutely make or break your season if Krasnodar go out just like if Dinamo go out if Ajax were to go out, God forbid, this is something that would like scar their entire season and you're not ready. Mm. Your team's not finished. You haven't got enough football in your legs. Mm. And so you're playing incredibly high stakes poker like while you're still on the beach. You're still half on the beach, really. Mm. So uh, I think that makes it really interesting. I mean, the way that Porto have are doing it on the hoof, particularly, it's clear that they're reconstructing. Of course, they've had to find a replacement for... Ike Casillas, which has really taken over their entire summer. They're looking at Kevin Trapp at one point. Gigi. Um, that, that didn't happen. Gigi. Yeah, Gigi. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It looked like it was going to be the, the fairy Ma- the tale. The Mike Myers of top-level international football. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, eventually they, they, they settled on uh, Agustin Marchesin, uh, who's come over from uh, Club America. Just arrived like less than a week ago. It's gone straight into the team. Like after this incredibly arduous flight from Mexico City via Paris and Lisbon, in the end he got he got driven to Porto, <laughs> uh, and then like literally like playing strange automobiles. Yeah, Steve and, and, and then Cameron, here, yeah. here he is going going off to Russia, and you know but, Krasnodar's facility is very comfortable. Don't get me yeah, wrong, yeah. But and he goes straight in the team, and he made a really really important save right near the end they're talking about it in Mexico as you can imagine where they're still kind of mourning but his departure a little bit their scouting network at Porto is really well respected right so it's unlikely they're going to have panicked to try and find someone presumably that they've, they've been looking at him for a while well yeah but it's clear that they were all in on trap at one point and right. that wasn't happening right, they, right. They, they were keen on Buffon they were looking at uh, Kubek from, from Ren and, and that never happened right. so for Manchester to come over having never played in Europe, mm. having done a lot of traveling, having moved his life on the other side of the world and having stood there and done bugger all for most of the game mm. in Krasnodar and then make this save right at the end, which is potentially a really vital one for, for them going forward. I, I mean, that's, that's something that's, that's really amazing. And to be fair, 
as Porto goalkeeper, you are going to have to do a lot of standing about yeah. and then make a good save at mm. the moment where, where it's expected. So it's a great start for him and it's a, a great start for them because whenever this is talked about in, in the Portuguese papers, and you know, it's not exclusively the Portuguese papers, but it's always framed as the match that, that's worth 40 million. It's always, it was the same with Benfica when they had to qualify to get in the Champions League last. Mm. That it's every stage, they can't get through four paragraphs talking about the Champions League qualifiers without talking about what financially it means. And I guess for some people that might be a bit surprising because you think of um, Benfica and their, their history mm. in this competition and how that's made them the club that they are. But no, no, they're all talking about the money and what that means for their season. Well, you, so you mentioned um, Benfica there. I mean, they started the season pretty well on Sunday. Uh, yeah, a, um, a Bruno Fernandes inspired sporting collapsed to a five. Have you seen this change? Collapsed to a five nil defeat in the. Uh, in can I just say, and we can talk about European Super Cups, you know, the Super Cups all around Europe, but there is not one better named than the Portuguese one, the Super Taca Candido de Oliveira. <laughs> Super Tassa. Super Tassa, sorry. <laughs> yeah. My pronunciation all season will be terrible. Get, get used to it. That's why here. You know, Benfica smashed them five nil. Yeah. I mean, is this the Luciano Vieto effect of sporting <laughs> signing? I mean, this is, again, up the adult one of the things that I've really enjoyed about this transfer window is seeing how where all the players that Fulham signed last season have, <laughs> yeah. have ended up. Yeah, didn't you say Seri's gone to Seri's Gala. gone to Galatasaray yeah, yeah. as well. I mean, again, just like how certain players, particularly Seri, were hyped and hyped and hyped. And But Seri was, I mean, Seri's, I mean, not that it's a, a disgrace by any means to go to Galatasaray because they're a huge club and, and, and we know that. But, but it's a hell of a pull for them. It is, massively, yeah, given yeah. that, what is it, maybe... 18 months ago Seri was being linked from Nice to Barcelona for a yeah. huge money particularly if I mean if, if it does go through he could be playing alongside Timu Bakayoko as well I mean, who, who is basically, <laughs> you know Timu, Timu Bakayoko right you know when you were a kid and you had that game that you stand around in a circle and you pass the object and if it goes off in your hands you lose yeah that's Bakayoko in football clubs. Football <laughs> if he goes off when you're at your club you lose if he ends up at your place you lose the game that's yeah. what it's turned out. And, and he was so highly rated before. Well, I, I think that's harsh. He, was, he, 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 he kind of reinvented himself a little bit. Yeah. He, he played well for Milan for he a did. lot last season, didn't yeah. he? But, um, until, until his car ran out of petrol on the way to training and he was two hours late. <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of that it. That was the end of it. That's happened to all of his chains. I mean, is there any concern around... Because Fernandez, Bruno Fernandez, I know it's only, yeah, only the Super Cup. I, I don't know that if, if it's taken more seriously in Europe. I suspect, suspect it might be. But Bruno oh, Fernandez so was it, captain of Sporting in that game, and they and they absolutely capitulated. Yeah, I mean, it's an absolute mark of shame for Sporting right. I mean, to, to lose to their city rivals, not just lose to them, but absolutely humiliated by them it's, it's a big deal and already there's a lot of pressure on Marcel Kaiser the, the, the coach but that they had a great picture not I, toasting I life was, Kaiser no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> they, they had a great picture of uh, Bruno Fernandes on uh, the cover just in the small bit in the corner obviously because it was Benfica celebrating in the main bit of Abola with just you know his head down you know doing his penance and you know he said mm. yeah we, we should be ashamed you know it was it was embarrassing and the thing was th they were in it for like a long time like in, in, in the in the first half it was it was pretty even but um, Benfica managed to get themselves in front Bruno Fernandes himself had a, a couple of really good chances and um, one of them Baz Dost was really upset not to not to get past the, the ball but it really all fell apart in just a few minutes in the second half where you had this terrible mix up between you know two of their most experienced players Sebastian Coates 
and um, Jeremy Mathieu and, and Pizzi ended up scoring from it. Mm. And from there, I mean, they it's just disgraceful. Com- they completely lost their they, heads. They conceded three more goals after that and um, Dumbia was sent off. Which, yeah. which to me, they're all the red flags. I mean, by the way, first competitive game of the season, really. And you and that's how you collapse and capitulate against your local rivals. And that is a very, very worrying situation. You wonder whether the, the fact that Fernandez has been linked so heavily and, and, and I think he and his agent had, were having talks with the president of the club yesterday or something. I think what I would say is affecting the whole Imagine group. if it were I the don't... old president. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, locked him in the changing rooms. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the thing with Bruno Fernandes that, that you have to respect, he's a great professional. Uh, if if he has to get on with it, um, he, he'll be able to do that. Um, uh, you know, he's he's not someone who who can say is culpable for 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 this defeat. I'm not trying to blame him. I'm wondering whether the fact that. He's a captain. He's by far the best player. Yeah. And whether he's been continually linked with moves away, whether that's affecting the... I don't know. I'm just, I'm just pontificating yeah, whether I, it is. I, I don't think that really they got, is they got Luciano thing. Vieto now in to steady the ship. You know, yeah. un, un, you substitute in that what, game. What, what, what we have to say on the other side, Benfica were brilliant. Benfica who lost Joao Felix the, the, this mm. summer, they were absolutely fantastic. Uh, Raul de Tomas, who is a big new signing for them. He didn't score but he really impressed. And I think he'll do very, very well for Spent 20 million on him. Yeah, and, and quite yeah. rightly so. I mean, I think they've done well to get him to come to Portugal, to be honest. I mean, this is a guy who was obviously from Real Madrid, but scored a truckload of goals on loan at Real Vallecano, where, you know, they're, they're not really doing that much for him. He had to create his his own chances a, a lot of the time. So I think he'll really, really thrive at Benfica. Seferovic, who... who miraculously has turned into someone who looks like a good striker there is um, now a point where he's signed a a new contract and he's talking about going forward and and doing well with with Benfica and continuing to win things it looks like they'll be able to hold on to um, Ruben Dias as well they've they've still got doubts goalkeeper wise because of course the the Perrine move fell through because of because of his shoulder but even though they're looking for a new goalkeeper they've not got a problem because Vlacodimus is is great in the meantime and if they sell him they sell him if they don't they don't they've still got a good goalkeeper I think it's hard to look beyond Benfica as the as the favourites for the, the the championship last season and the way they've ridden out losing such a a key player who such a totemic player as well in terms of what he represents for them and their academy and Joao Felix and obviously they knew he would go at some point um but I hope to keep him for another season. I think it's really, really impressive. I'm a trainer, I'm not an idiot. I'm a trainer, what's going in place. And these players, like two or three, these players were weak like a flash of air. On, on, across in, in France in, 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 the super, in the Super Cup, James, I don't know if you saw this, a lot's been made of this, and I, I, I apologise people, to people listening because it isn't exactly breaking news, but I wanted us to have a long run up at this, and I'll give you the chance to go first, James. Um, what do you make of uh, Kylian Mbappe pushing Neymar out of a team photo after the 2-1 <laughs> went over Ren? It was, it was just a joke, wasn't yeah. it? It's all a joke. You know Is that what I mean? they said? <laughs> yeah. He looked really happy about it. Well, Neymar also looked really happy when Mbappe scored as well. The camera cut straight to him in the stands and he wasn't even looking. Yeah. But, but it was the same with, um, with Heze, wasn't it? Uh, uh, he, I found was, that amazing. He was sat there on his phone. I'm he sorry, didn't even I, know that there'd I, been a goal. I, that watching that, when the camera panned to the stands and there was Hesse there, I was like, 
Oh my God. Yeah. Tessie. <laughs> yeah. He's still at PSG. You're lucky to be here, mate. <laughs> Put your phone away. Put that it on mean, airplane. Just, you're you're going to have to pay for that tracksuit yeah. if you want to keep it. <laughs> what, what, did you make, what did you make of that? I mean, what, we've had a bit of, a, like I said, we've had a bit of a long run up at it and we've, we've seen the fallout. We've seen, as you've just alluded to there, the excuses that have been made and the ex- explanations. What do, you, what do you think of it and what do you think it means for this season? It didn't look good. You look at the reports that have come out in France over the last week about Leonardo putting together this... Uh, well, it, it sounds like his first book, essentially. Um, right. <laughs> a, a, a num- like Steve a, Bruce's uh, detective. <laughs> a number of disciplinary kind of guidelines, code of conduct, essentially, for Paris Saint-Germain players. <laughs> Don't push teammates in public. That shouldn't, even have to be, that shouldn't be, have to be in a book. Well, the, one of the main things was um, just you know, speaking to the media without a press officer giving you authorization to do it. So, mm. you know, just people granting interviews willy-nilly, which is great from journalists' point of, course. of view. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Leonardo doesn't think, you know, sort of Neymar inviting a Brazilian journalist in mm. to the training ground, having the interview with him at the training ground <laughs> and the press officer not knowing anything about it. it not like a he, good thing. Is it almost like he feels like he might be bigger than the club? <laughs> <laughs> I've started to put two, the jigsaw puzzle together here. Yeah. And it might but mean that. You also see it in the recruitment that Paris have done um, over... Yeah, this summer in particular, I think, where haven't really gone for superstars, just gone for guys who are sort of hardworking, disciplined, uh, happy to be there. Um, and who then get injured and Herrera <laughs> yeah. it, it does but feel but don't have egos yeah, yeah. and Herrera ego free transfer I, I have to say I have to say and you know there's there's other time in the football ramble days to talk about English football I'm not going to propose we do that but I had to I have to say I was very surprised that May and I didn't fight harder to keep Ander Herrera I have to say because he seemed exactly like you described him there mm. exactly the kind of player you need yeah, I mean, I don't see him, I don't see him starting every game for no. Paris Saint-Germain, especially after uh, Ghana Gay is, is is fit and ready exactly. to go after his extended holiday. Um, but it's, it's an area of weakness for um, PSG, and, and and they've dealt with it. It's kind of an opportunity signing. This to me feels like almost more of a Juventus window than a, than a PSG window. I don't really think you can pay a much higher compliment than that. But players like, as you say, team guys like Sarabia, who's really good in this game, by the way, on what was an absolutely awful pitch in China. And, you know, I, I think you could have forgiven some of their players for not fancying it at all. Played at Shen, in Shenzhen, is it? In China? Yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's mm. right. And it, was, it was an awful surface. And against the Ren team who weren't going to give them anything, who were winning 1-0 for, yeah. for quite a long time, and they had to come back and, and dig in and go and get the game. I think that's quite a, a positive thing. For what did them. you make of the Neymar situation? Um, I think it's a load of silly fuss over, over nothing, really. I think, like a, a lot of players who aren't John Terry, I think he probably felt a bit <laughs> embarrassed to be in the picture when he had nothing to do with it. And the fact that players who are, you know, at least in the revolving door, are invited along, like Neymar, like Jose. I, I, I can understand that to an extent they want it to seem business as usual, but there's too much focus on those guys. Well, obviously, there's no focus at all on Jose because of yeah. Neymar. But yeah. to, to me, bringing along players that, that they basically know they're going to dispense with, I find a bit a bit weird. It, or not in the case of Jose. Just can't get rid of him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So he was on loan out. Proving um, as difficult to shift Betis, as Neymar. Betis last yeah. season. Yeah, I yeah, know, yeah. Uh, for different reasons. Um, what about uh, Di Maria's free kick? That's a beauty. Very nice. It's a beauty. Great free kick. Also showcased this new rule. I don't know if you're aware of it. Talk to me um, about the non-attacking players in the wall. What you're yeah. talking about, yeah? So, yeah. you know, if... Yeah, so you, 
if you're taking the free kick, none of your players can be in the wall disrupting it, causing in some a ruckus and that sort no. of thing. So you've got to be you've got to be one meter away from the wall. Uh, that was one of my main jobs in my first year in my university team, standing in the wall and trying to cut, create a gap. Yeah. It's pretty much all I was good for. Yeah. To be honest. So that well, I'd have no career. Redundant now. role. <laughs> I'll be done. Oh, by the way, if you want to well, hear more about just quickly, James, if you want to hear people listening want to hear more about rule changes, Andy and Jules covered it on Tuesday on Football Round with Daddy, so you can get more information there. But they didn't cover the the attacking wall one, did you, Andy? I don't think so. No, no so well, carry, carry on. The, one of the reasons this was interesting to me was I was at Inter against Spurs on Sunday. Yeah. And Conte was talking about it. And he said, I like this rule. Well, my goalkeepers like this rule because it means there's no interference in the wall. So they should get a better sight yeah. of the free kick that's coming their way. Yeah. Now, the way Paris got around this was in terms of they, they interpreted the rule to mean that a metre away from the wall, okay, well, why don't we just stand the metre in front of the wall? And that way we can basically, again, impede the, the, the view of the goalkeeper. Kubek didn't really see it, did he? No. Although, <laughs> although you have to say, from Di Maria's perspective, the dip on the free kick was pretty special. Mm. I think it's one of those ones where, you know, the goalkeeper doesn't end up looking great from it, but I think even if he'd have dived... I it was I'm, a great goal. I'm not convinced yeah. he would have saved um, it. On yeah. the, um, I don't propose I to spend much time on this, but on, on the rule change things, I, I noticed um, uh, that they've had to bring in something else to, to tackle this goal kick rule now already because they don't want goalkeepers to flick the ball up to the chest of a defender to chest it back and then the keeper can catch it and run out to the end of the box and boot it from his hands. Mm. They've had to put some weird kind of... Uh, they've had to clarify disclaimer that, kind of thing to say, it's, a, it's a really f- fuzzy wording as well to yeah. say oh, you must do it in the spirit that's of the game that's unusual yeah, I know right in the spirit well, of the I, game I really like seeing in this opening phase of the season how how people adjust are, to it right exactly yeah. adjust to it interpret those rules and yeah. that was Benfica who, who ended up uh, uh, doing that do you think they'll have a big impact do you think that particularly the goal kick one's going to have a big impact around your Europe I think Conte said it depends on how much risk you want to invite um, because essentially you're yes, to open you're, the pitch up you, you, well you're making it harder to um, press um, yeah. because you know if you can receive the ball in your own penalty area then you know as the team that is pressing you're going to have to cover more ground and maybe expose yourself um, in, in other areas mm. um, but he was looking at it from the kind of typically a, um, Italian kind of pessimistic point of view is like well yeah I mean if we screw it up passing you know closer to our goal it's easier to score a goal so do you still think um, just quickly do you still think Inter will be the nearest rivals to Juve Inter and Napoli I think because uh, there's been so much change at the top in Serie A so Juventus has got a new coach uh, Inter have got a new coach Roma have got a new coach Milan have got a new coach only team that doesn't have a new coach um, among the contenders Napoli is Napoli and that coach is Carlo Ancelotti and I think uh, yeah some of the signings that they've made particularly at the back really really good so yeah I'd keep a, a raised eyebrow um, uh, looking at Napoli of course the biggest Super Cup of them all and it's actually called the Super Cup internationally to appeal to the English audience um, it's a German one and yeah. even though you've got a couple of weeks before the start of the season um, Dortmund versus Bayern that was feisty I, I liked yeah. it. Joshua Kimmich got in a bit troubled, did he not? Yeah, he did. Well, he's, yeah. he stamped on Jaden Sancho towards the end of the got, game. Got a yellow for it? Yeah, a yellow from VAR. I don't understand, and I don't think anyone understands how, after VAR, you don't send Kimmich off for that. Also, what I really liked about it is is 
I say liked about someone stamping on something, <laughs> uh, was that it happened essentially right next to the VAR monitor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's not like too good. close to the camera. Yeah. We, and I also, it's also always reassuring to me when the Germans have their own version of he's not that kind of player, which, which Nico Kovacs <laughs> rolled out. That's exactly <laughs> what Nico Kovacs exactly, said. Yeah. It's not just English teams that do that. I but, mean, but the game itself, um, Jen Sancho was irresistible again, wasn't he? I mean, he looks like he's going to have an even bigger season this season yeah, based he, on that. He was, he was fantastic and uh, Paco Alcacer got the, f- the first goal as, as well um, and yeah Dortmund were up for it I think you can't read too much into this game because both of these teams went quite light on on new signings mm. you know um, for, for, for Bayern uh, Hernandez is is not fit yet. Yeah, he um, wasn't ready. Yeah, Pavard was on the bench, and and, and Boateng played in, in instead, which was a little bit of a su- surprise. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was just Nico Schultz as well who got the got the run out for um for for Dortmund with uh, Mats Hummels not even in the squad. So we, we've we've got a bit to learn about about both of these teams, but I think already it's kind of lit the touch paper in terms of in terms of the rivalry so between Thomas, these two would Thomas Muller be playing in that position in all things being well he wouldn't would he yeah I'm, I'm not convinced that's the case I mean I think a lot of people think Bayern could probably do with an extra midfielder yeah. I mean when we're talking about teams being half finished I, th- I think Bayern are one of the ones that spring to mind in in, in terms of that and um, you know I think after having had Pavard and Hernandez sorted out so early um you expected a little bit more in the in the front half of the team. Uh, it, was, it was curious to me that um, well, perhaps not curious, but I mean, Bayern Munich kind of dominated the ball, they dominated possession. But they didn't, mm. I mean, the effectiveness came from players, really incisive players like Jaden Sancho and the Dortmund. I mean, the second, I think it was the second goal that Sancho ended up scoring. They broke so quickly. I mean, really fast. Yeah, so yeah, fast. I mean, yeah, that, Bayern, Bayern, you know, it made Bayern Munich look like kind of a team of old men. But you know what? They they did this to Bayern last season, didn't they? In in the first league game. I mean, you look at the, the goals in that, and spe- specifically the winning goal from Paco Alcacer. I mean, I think they got from the edge of their own penalty box to Alcacer, like dinking it over Neuer in something like 11 seconds. Yeah. And also the amazing thing about that is you look at how many Bayern players are drawn to Jadon Sancho. Yes. I think about four players. The danger of him, mm. yeah. And yeah. Uh, and all of a sudden, yeah, he has the presence of mind to to pick out um, Alcacer. And yeah, Bayern completely out, all over the plate, out of the position. He's got the time and space to to do. I don't think Neuer was particularly good in no, this game either. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. Um, no, I mean he's he's drifted a long way from his his best. I mean I think most people accept he's not Germany's best goalkeeper anymore. Mm. But is it going to get to a point where he's not Bayern's yeah. best goalkeeper? I suppose that, that's that's the answer. And I, I suppose it's far from an obvious answer, which is which is a concern already. But yeah, what's, I'm, what's I'm interesting behind the venue, by the way, Andy. The the team that's not the league winner always hosts it right okay because I, I noticed that the one in Italy in January is in Saudi Arabia of course the, we mentioned already that the um, the French one was in China yeah but they always played the German one in Germany do they yeah okay always yeah I mean, she, I mean I saw it's you it's almost like they care about the fans <laughs> I know. You know? James you know that Andy stuck his neck out earlier this week saying he thinks Dortmund are going to win the league this year really so you're yeah, happy to stick with that on record well the thing is I am but the thing is you're always getting asked these questions before the transfer window shut although it does look less and less likely like like Leroy Sane is going to end up at 
at Bayern now. Because of like, injury, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. looks like it might be a serious one at the time. Of We've got faith in you, but now you're injured, we're not interested. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the Bayern curse, you know, with Callum Hudson-Odoi, now Leroy Sane. Yeah. I mean, just back off these players. Some of the know, players it's... that even actually play for them, like Tolisso. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I, I mean, the, the reason that I, I went for Dortmund is, and I know they blew a big lead last season, but I feel the way they played in the Super Cup, I, I think, tells you that, you know, we talked about them basically scoring the same goal twice in the, the fixture against Bayern, what, nine months apart. It feels like there's continuity. They know what they're doing with Lucien Favre. Does it feel like Niko Kovac has got that kind of hold on his team? Does it feel like he's got that authority? Or well, they does keep it, appointing does it feel coaches. Like he's a bit, <laughs> they yeah. keep appointing people Rounded. onto his backroom staff. It feels like he's fragile. And I think the same... He's walking into the training, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> yeah, he was taking training today. He's putting cones out. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who he is. I've never seen him before. Yeah. I think the, is that Louis van Gaal? <laughs> <laughs> I think the talk of the, the Sané transfer is is a big part of that because you know, Kovac just comes out and says a quite vanilla thing. It's like, yeah, I, I, I feel good. I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that it'll come. And Rummenigge says, oh, don't say that. Right. Don't say that. Right. You, you, you might affect it. I don't, you don't come out and publicly say that to the coach. Maybe you come out that you like admonish him behind the scenes. Yeah. But like ticking him off in public like that, that's a bad look. That's yeah. a really I'm, I'm already look. looking at, um, you know, potential dismissals, you know, of big clubs. You know, just because I'm a vulture. Yeah. Um, it's a really speaking interesting of, part of watching football. Uh, but, speaking of Van Howe, he was clear in this France football uh, interview that he's, he's not officially retired. He just said, there's nuance. I said, I feel like I'm retired at the moment. That doesn't mean I am retired. Did you guys see him at the tour? No, oh yeah, in the car. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Did you see that, Andy? Yeah. In the, in yeah. the tour, he was um, he was in the car. It's some kind of promotional thing. Yeah. And he's in the car riding alongside. A, is it a Dutch rider, presumably? I think it's a Dutch team. Dutch team. He's, and um, he's with someone as they're, as they're driving on, someone puts um, burgers through the window. Van Gaal just goes mad. He looks so happy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as <laughs> I would be, you yeah. know, if some. I, I mean, thought I was I, thinking, this is the worst carpool karaoke episode I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> actually I'd pay to or see the best, that the best, be actually, the best the best yeah. um, but, um, but yeah I mean Kovac you know at Bayern you know if things if, if he starts as poorly if the Champions League group stage doesn't go well could see there being a change there you know you look at obviously uh, United with Solskjaer Zidane everything mm. that's going on at Madrid mm. And there are some good coaches out there. I've got, you know, I've got Silvino. <laughs> I, I can't get, a, yeah, I can't get a little niggling thing at the back of my mind that Zidane and Poch related to Pochettino. Yeah, I think so. Zidane is related no, to Pochettino. No. Zidane going to Real Madrid. <laughs> oh, it might be. That's might a be. scoop. That is a scoop, man. Um, but it being related, it relating to how Pochettino yes. stays at Spurs. But anyway, that's another story. Giannini. <laughs> Donadoni och bra skott och det är tur och Kiracchi och var! Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills, or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. Parte lo spagnolo, cerca Koulibaly, Calidou, Koulibaly, al novantesimo, segna per il Napoli. I wanted to get um, into talking about transfers. I know we're in a bit of a difficult, weird moment at time of recording. And as you guys have already said, the transfer window doesn't close in parts of Europe till, till a bit later this month. But... <clears throat> Few people have been in touch asking about naturally asking about agents. players coming. To the, no, <laughs> yeah. no yeah. agent, no agents have been in touch. But WhatsApp yeah. is going yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to get rid of you on the free, but I couldn't. Um, and naturally, people want to know about players coming from Europe into their club, and I think this would be a nice opportunity to talk about that. The email address going forward for this season will be otc at footballrambledaily.com. So do get in touch if you've got any questions, and we'll try and incorporate them as best we can. So there's a few I've picked out here. Apologies if I couldn't get to yours because there were, there were loads of them. Um, but I've tried to pick out kind of the most popular ones. I'll start with you, James. Jacob says he'd like to know more about Patrick Catrone uh, moving to Wolves. Um, for those of you who listen, who are Patreon subscribers, patreon.com forward slash football ramble daily. James has already kindly given a little update on the discord there. So become a patron and, and 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 join the discord to get that extra stuff but James why don't you give um the rest of the listeners a bit of an update about Cutrone and what he brings to Wolves so Cutrone is Milan through and through and uh, came through their youth ranks and unexpectedly um, broke into the first team a couple of years ago and that was the summer if you recall, when Milan had been taken over by this mysterious Chinese guy, Li Yong Hong, yeah. um, who what paid more than 700 million or used other people's money to pay 700 million in order to buy uh, the club. And then went on this incredible spending spree where they bought a whole brand new team, including two strikers, Andre Silva and Nikola Kalinic. And the surprising thing is, is that Kutrona ended up basically being the man, being the man. Yeah scoring more goals than them and becoming a real fan favourite because there's nothing fans like more. It's just like Spurs fans with Harry Kane and seeing one of their own come through and do the business for them. And he was gutted to be told that you're expendable. Um, You know, we think you've already kind of reached your potential. He he was literally told that, was he? Yeah. Zvonny Boban was kind of like, well, yeah, we think you're you're probably as good as you're going to (laughs) be. Really? That's really harsh. How old is he now, James? He's only, I mean, we're talking under 21. 
Right. Um, but Cutrone is one of those um, goal scorers who just, he has that right instinct. You know, he knows where the ball's going to fall, right position, right time. Mm. He's not particularly flashy um, in terms of um, skill technique. We're not talking about a Lewandowski-style striker who mm. can do a bit of everything, link play, combine. He is a goal scorer. And I think uh, from... Uh, from Wolves' point of view, you know, be it just getting crosses in the box, be it just putting it in the mixer and 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 hoping um, for a second ball or something like that. So he's a player they're going to use off the bench. You think then? Well, I mean, this is the thing that he, um, how he made a name for himself at Milan in how they ended up like kind of coming under pressure from fans and the media is like this guy has to be in the team because he kept coming off the bench and doing it um, and he's just got I think the right mentality um, he yeah as I said with Milan the fact that he was playing for the club he supported probably couldn't believe his luck that he was already in the team he mm. gave 110% um, from you know minute one of being on the pitch to the last and yeah I think it's one of those places you, you remember, I remember Gary Neville saying uh, you know, he never thought of himself as the best player at the club. He thought there were better players, you know, when he was coming through in his position, that sort of thing. But he sacrificed himself. Mm. He put everything into making himself better. Mm. Cutrone is definitely one of those kind of right. players. You think he can have an impact? Oh, yeah, without doubt. He's in my fancy team. But there you go. What ringing endorsement <laughs> that is, Andy. Um, Andy, you like Cutrone from what you've seen? Yeah, I do. And it's something that Wolves really needed. The amount of work put on Raul Jimenez last season, yeah. I'm, I'm sure was unprecedented by them as much as by him. I mean, it's the most football he's played in the season by far since he's arrived in Europe. So that little bit of relief is nice. Hmm. What about um, James Longston's being in touch as well? Ah, James. James. Uh, one of my favourite Jameses. Yeah. On uh, one off <laughs> uh, among the OTC fraternity. Uh, Sebastian Aller into West Ham, Andy. You take Aller, 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 Aller. <laughs> Keep it. Keep it going. Yeah. yeah stick to it. <laughs> Backing vocals while I talk. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is a great pull for West Ham and I think you can tell by the fact that quite a lot of people great pull I watched... like that it's almost like they've gone to a nightclub <laughs> yeah. what is it don't get all in not, not, not the sort of parlance that you're going to see associated with Sullivan and Gold is it yeah. <laughs> but I, I think uh, the indication is like a lot of people who, who watch the Bundesliga a lot uh, I think surprised that West Ham were, were able to get him and for them and we've said before how, and I don't think it's any great secret that they've had their uh, share of travails with getting the best out of strikers. Um, oh my th- God. This will... They've had, I think, 38 of them since 2010, <laughs> I think. Well, th- this is this is maybe a, a one that's going to take it in the other direction because Alair is on an upward trajectory. He's someone who clearly always had potential but I never felt totally convinced by and a lot of people in France never felt totally convinced by Um, but what he's done in the last year and a half particularly for Eintracht Frankfurt I think has has been brilliant. You know, he, he worked his way up a quite unusual route after um, being a, a rated youngster going through uh, the Netherlands then, then, then to Frankfurt and um, you know, he was great last season. He's not just a target man. He's not just a goal scorer. He he can create. He's got a light touch. Um, he's someone who I think can really transform the way that West Ham play, but with the right players around him. Yeah. What clicked so well for them last season is the fact that they had Jovic, Rebic and Alaire and a coach in Adi Huta 
brave enough to play all of them at the same time, which saw them through like three quarters of an amazing season. Of course, they faded a little bit uh, towards the end when they ran out of legs and when Allo was injured, interestingly enough, as well. So, you know, he should do really well for West Ham, but yeah, right players around him. Um, can you can you guys give us the kind of French slash Bordeaux side of the story when it comes to Laurent Lolo Koscielny? Because he seems to have set fire to however many years. YOLO Koscielny. <laughs> yeah, he set fire to however many years he had at Arsenal. Well, and how, how do they see it in France? Especially after what happened, it's clear that the, the tweet was of, of the shirt reveal was very ill-judged. Um, but... I think most people in France feel, as do I actually, that, you know, he did play there for nine years. He was really good for them. And I think what's indicative of the feeling and what should be taken into account, I think, is how Koscielny spoke in his introductory press conference uh, next to the sporting director, Eduardo Massia, where he said, well, look, I've made a career choice and a life choice. He said, you know, I left home at 19 and now I can be a little bit closer to home. You know, mm. he's, he's he's got family and he wants to reconnect with 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 other family. And I, I don't think it, uh, you know. He said his words were, um, "I I've always respected Arsenal, and I think I showed my respect on the pitch." I think that's a short but quite convincing argument. To be fair, and why did, in, he, in France, why did he do the shirt thing then? Why well, did he agree to it? Why did he, he didn't have to do it? No, he didn't. I. I I already said, I, I, yeah. I think he's poorly judged. Yeah. But to say that that's totally torched his Arsenal legacy, I think he's very harsh indeed. We're living in the Twitter generation now then, mate. He's he's someone who did... Fan TV. Yeah. Exactly. He's someone who did an absolutely great job for Arsenal. Yeah. He did a really great job for Arsenal. They got their money's worth out of him. And, you know, it's not like he said last week, oh, I want to go to Bordeaux. That they've known that he's he's wanted to go to Bordeaux for what he what, four months. He intimated that he was promised that he could leave this summer as well, didn't? Yeah, he? That, that's yeah. whether there's been some miscommunication or you know whether Arsenal have gone back on their word after realizing that he's still actually pretty important to their defence. We don't really know, um, but what we do know is he had it in his mind that he was coming back for a, a long time. He's a really loyal guy. He's a real stand-up teammate so for him to take a step like not going on tour he must have felt that they shafted him do you think they disrespected him by partnering him with Mustafi (laughs) (laughs) the straw that broke the camel's back yeah the the sight of um, Skodran Mustafi with the captain's armband on an Arsenal shirt upside down by the way is enough to strike fear in the heart of even the hardiest of Arsenal fans Um, a lot of interest James a lot of interest in among our listeners, and also I think in the studio as well, in Raja Nangalan's move from Inter to Cagliari. It's listed as a loan, but I think there's probably a chance it's going to be made permanent at some point. Yeah, I mean... Tell, tell us why it's such an interesting move. Well, it's interesting because he's essentially going back to what I think he would call his Italian home, mm-hmm. um, in that uh, this is um, the club where he kind of made his name after coming over from Belgium at Piacenza and then moving on to Cagliari, and it's where... The lore, the myth of uh, Il Ninja sort of uh, really began. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, if you look at England, where he's in his career, uh, I still believe, you know, he's a player who could be playing in title winning teams, certainly teams that are competing in the Champions League. Um, but Inter drew a line in the sand just a year after he joined um, because of, 
you know, a range of, of factors, mainly disciplinary. Um, you know, there were reports of him being late to training, liking the casino too much. and 40-a-day habit. And also, with the new manager coming in, Antonio Conte, um, Conte is all about, doesn't matter how talented you are, you know, I want people with the mentality that meshes best with my way of play, playing football mm-hmm. and just managing a football team. And in Icardi and Nain Glenn, he identified two people who he no longer, he wanted to move on from. Um, the interesting thing with, with Nain Glenn is I think he felt that he could maybe persuade Conte otherwise um, and tried in training. It was really interesting when I was in Singapore with Inter um, that he was allowed to come along with the team, whereas Icardi was not. Icardi was told that pre-season training came in Switzerland to go home and train at Inter's training ground near Milan. And um, But then when asked about it, Conte was like, no, there's no chance of him being reintegrated. We're looking to move him on. We want to bring in some money in order that we could reinvest that in Lukaku. And instead, yeah, they've come up against kind of a brick wall in that now England's like right I only want to go to a Champions League team Champions League teams were not in for him so he's like well in that case I only want to go home I want to right. go to Cagliari yeah. um, and Cagliari it's their centenary year and they were like this is this is a fantastic move what, for us do you think he gel well with uh, Moran there? yeah I, and I also think it's interesting in that you've seen um, this revolving door of, of Nicola Barella the Sardinian midfield player who's joined into for 49 million euro go one way and they England um, yeah, essentially trade places with him um, so it's I think from a, if you're a calorie fan it's the best case scenario after losing Barella um, but there's also compassionate reasons for uh, for the move in that yeah, again I think uh, now England it's revealed in the summer that his wife who's from Cagliari from Sardinia um, has breast cancer and I think in terms of being close to home close to family again um, it works um, so yeah, I mean Cagliari are one of a number of teams I think in the kind of middle class and in, in the city at table who have gone big this summer that's a really poor end to the season didn't they they've ended up finishing yeah. that right, right down there it's one of those things where you find yourself in a no man's land where you're safe but you've got no chance of getting into Europe um, I think they wanted to beat their points total that didn't happen but I think because it's the centenary year mm. they really want to make a push for, for Europa League and those size of clubs really lend themselves to like a talismanic type player don't they and oh, England could yeah. be that he's really player. got it in him to be a transformative player for yeah. him, hasn't mm. he yeah without doubt because Moran plays with a four four two diamond he likes to have a 10 and you know I can see England as he did in the kind of final um, year at Roma under Spalletti playing uh, playing as a ten behind uh, behind the two strikers, and they're they're not finished yet. Cagliari, they're they're looking to get Giovanni Simeone from from Fiorentina um, as well. Um, so yeah, they've they've had a really interesting transfer window. But yeah, I would recommend our listeners go and look at the social stuff that Cagliari put around. Worth the follow, are they? Well, yeah, I mean, just going into the dressing room and and, and instead of there being a shirt in his locker, there mm. being sort of a ninja outfit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. All right, guys. That's it. We're done. Boom. Should go and get that macchiato now, James. That I queued for earlier that I couldn't get yeah, for you. Yeah, let's let's do that. I could do with a coffee hit. You, <laughs> you'll get a hit, all right. <laughs> Russell, you happy with that? I could do with some hot water. Yeah, exactly. I'll try and do that for you.
But and also, I can get a capuchin monkey as well. You can. This was a Stakhanov production.